0: what's going on what's going on jay sutton i'm back with another episode of the destroying doubt podcast where we provide information and inspiration to the new and aspiring entrepreneur to help them overcome self-doubt to start that business or to take that existing business to new levels and i'm excited like always i'm excited today y'all one, why why am I excited, you ask? Well, for one, I'm alive. It's always a great thing to be alive and to be on this side of the dirt to tell your story. Like, you know, that's always a great thing. And, <laughs> and another reason why I'm excited today is I'm actually excited for you. I'm always excited for the listener when I know I have a guest on the show that is going to provide solid information that is going to have an impact on your life. And with that said, I believe that this show is so important, and this guest on the show today, Sienna Stewart, is so important because her message goes hand in hand with destroying doubt. And I just believe that oftentimes we we're so fearful and doubtful of. Our our next endeavor, because we fail to realize all that we've overcome in our past to become who we are today. I believe that realizing that could be the launching pad for our next endeavor. But I, I believe the reason oftentimes while we fail to see that, while we fail to recognize just how great we are. And all that we've done is because we're too busy complaining. (laughs) We're too busy complaining about what we don't have and what we've yet to accomplish that we fail to see what we already have. And like I said, my guest on the show today, Sienna Stewart, teaches people how to stop complaining, to stop sabotaging their own joy. She went through situations in her life that she realized that, you know, she was complaining about a lot of things and not only did she need to stop complaining to enhance her life, but she wanted to get other people to stop complaining to enhance theirs as well. So she went in the lab and she did a lot of research. I I think she said uh, nearly a decade's worth of research went into Her getting an an understanding of complaining and the science behind it and how it impacts us and the, the negative effects that it has on our lives and those around us by complaining. And not only that, but where does it come from and how to overcome it? And so that's what she talks about in her book, No Complaints, How to Stop Sabotaging Your Own Joy. And that's what she talks about on this show and like I said, I'm so excited because I know that you're going to absorb a lot of information on this show that, that is going to help enhance your life. Siana is truly a creative, having her hands in many different things, including documentaries, theater, playwriting, nonprofit organizations. But most importantly, she's the founder of the No Complaining Project. And that's what she's going to talk about in the show. She's going to break it down for you and give you information about the No Complaining Project and all that it entails. So, like I always say, man, let me just go ahead and shut up. Like, Let me shut my big mouth <laughs> so y'all can go ahead and consume this, this amazing content. And I just hope that you're able to take away something from this amazing conversation. So... Without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Siana Stewart. Check it out. Sienna, how are you doing?
1: Doing well. How are you, Jay?
0: I'm doing good. I am doing good. I can't complain. <laughs> well, not to me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, one thing I like to do on this show is I always like to begin with the weather because I'm here in Florida and... I have listeners from all over, so I kind of like to rub it in their face, so um,
1: <laughs> how's the
0: weather where you are today?
1: It, we're having a very confused weather day, so mm. it's been alternatively rainy and overcast and super hot for the last week and a half, and it's just been going back and forth and back and forth, so today is gray, but it's also very humid,
0: mm. Okay. but
1: you know, but, it's pretty good for spring here, yeah. that's what happens, you know, in San Francisco.
0: Yeah and it's like it's not snowing, right?
1: It is not snowing, and it's still warm, so and I can open my windows, it's all great.
0: There you go. I mean, I'm pretty sure someone is listening <clears throat> somewhere and it's like they can't even go outside because snow is just everywhere. and Oh yeah, their life oh, yeah. sucks, so yeah. <laughs> But they're not going to complain about it, right?
1: They're not going to complain about it, and I'm <laughs> just going to say, well, I can't go skiing, so there is that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? They may have complained about it prior to hearing this show. And hopefully what we're going to do today, well, what you're going to do, I'm going to listen and I'm going to take some notes and hopefully I can apply it to my life is we're going to help them and help each other and help everyone listening. Stop complaining. Um, But before we get into all of that and, you know, what you stand for and what you believe in and your message, I would like to know a little bit about you. So who is Sienna Stewart? Tell us a little bit about you.
1: I am uh, from San Francisco, and I was raised here most of the time. Um, I have a mom from the Philippines and a dad who's from New England, and I I love being in the Bay Area. And I have a background doing theater and film and all kinds of different creative stuff, and working in nonprofits. And um, that's kind of that's kind of the deep background. Um, and. Uh, I just I don't know I think I've generally been a positive person with some serious bumps in the road and that's what kind of kicked me off into this yeah. whole project yeah yeah uh,
0: so I mean you know this the bumps in the road kicked you off into the project that you're doing now but did it spark your creativeness if that's the word if I said it right um, or were you just creative from day one like how how did that work out.
1: I think I was pretty creative from day one. uh, And certainly my family encouraged it in many ways. You know, I was the kid who, for Christmas and birthdays and stuff, they would always give me like a new art project, um, one of those little kits to like, here's, you know, paint a ceramic doll or, you know, make something out of fabric or something like that. So um, that was always just part of me. And well, when I was a kid, really, I was a super introvert and I spent most of my time reading books and I did not really go outside or hang out with the neighborhood friends that much. Um, My favorite thing was just to, you know, sit in one place and read a book. And it was when I was in high school uh, that some people started to get concerned because I didn't actually talk very much at all. And I ended up getting pulled into the theater department and I was working backstage. I didn't even really want to be on stage. But that somehow really gave me a voice. And that is a place where I felt really comfortable and I came out of my shell. And so I think my, uh, before that, it was kind of like, oh, I'm just kind of creative on the side and just a little hobby. And mostly I just wanted to read and do my schoolwork and stuff. But then once I got into theater and found a community that I really got along with, and enjoyed hanging out with. Then I started talking more and getting to make new friends and came out of my shell. And that was really a, a game changer for me. And then I just stayed with theater and that became my major when I graduated in, uh, from college. And then I uh, did a little bit of documentary film after that, after working in the theater and just kind of stuck with it. Yeah. Oh,
0: which uh, documentary, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Yeah, the first one I did was called uh, There Is No Name For This, uh, and it was for a, a project here in San Francisco called the Asian and Pacific Islander Wellness Center, and it's uh, targeting, it's it's basically about lesbian, gay, and bisexual Chinese and Chinese Americans, and it's in Mandarin, Cantonese, and English. So it's a, it was a very complicated project to put together, especially as my first one. Yeah. <laughs> um, And uh, then I I was the associate producer for Seeking Asian Female, which was many years later. That one came out recently, and you can actually still find that one on Netflix about men who are obsessed with Asian women. Um, And I've also worked on some about uh, a couple of films for Nova, um, about uh, about fractals, and the Botany of Desire by Michael Pollan. Um, I was associate producer for those. So, you know, a handful of television documentaries as well as those two other indies.
0: Oh wow that that's yeah. a, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> I, I really love documentaries. I, I'm really into them. Um, I'll probably go back and check out. Um, I'll get with you after the show and check out a couple of those. I'm gonna I'm not yeah. gonna lie. The first one that you said that was in that in the native language. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably yeah. I can't do nothing with that one. I, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's also in English.
0: <laughs> oh, it is.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. It's a, it's trilingual the whole time. So no matter which language you're speaking, you can watch it all together. Oh, yeah.
0: okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah.
1: That's,
0: that's dope. That's dope. Okay. So, um, you have a very creative background, very creative mm-hmm. past. Um, so tell us, how did you get to the point where you decided that, I guess, did, did it happen where you looked at yourself and was like, you know what? I'm complaining too much. That, yep. That, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. All right, so yeah. so walk us through that 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 aha moment when you said, okay, I'm complaining too much, and I need to do something about complaining not only for myself but for others. So walk us through that.
1: Yeah, sure. I went through a terrible breakup in you know 2005, and that was you know something we've all experienced. Mine ended up with me like financially strapped and not living anywhere near my home anymore. And I had given up almost everything I had. And I quit my job and all this kind of stuff for this relationship. And then it all fell apart. And so I ended up sinking into this terrible depression for several months. And uh, my friends really helped to get me out of that depression. They um, helped to bring me back to San Francisco and to get a job in the area, um, who was somebody who ended up becoming my documentary mentor. and they let me stay at their house and while I was saving up enough money to get my own apartment again. And, you know, so like things were actually looking up and they were, I was doing pretty well. Uh, and there was one day that I was driving along from my friend's house to uh, my new job and i saw like the morning sun on san francisco i was in the east bay so i could see the city skyline and i just got all excited that i was back in the area and i felt great and for whatever reason on that morning it immediately, like I replayed and heard my voice from the night before where I had cooked dinner for my friends and they were, you know, thanking me. And uh, And my immediate response was, yeah, well, you know, it would have been better if I had all the stuff that I had in the, you know, my kitchen that I lost and, and all this kind of, and I just, and then for whatever reason, I just started running through all of these past conversations and remembering that almost every time somebody said anything to me, I responded with a complaint mostly about the breakup and about how much I had lost. And I just got, I was really stuck there, but that colored my view of everything. And then I started getting grumpy about, you know, the weather, about the traffic, about, you know, really everything. And I was just complaining all the time. And that morning, I just, I thought how incredibly ungrateful I was. And also I realized how much I had been missing of my friends generosity and their kindness and that my life had actually been turned around and that it was going pretty well but i hadn't noticed and i for what i blamed complaining um, and i said that's it no more complaining for you because you sound really ungrateful and horrible so you need to stop and then i realized that it was actually really hard to stop (laughs) so you know I was like every time somebody would say something my impulse would still be to complain so then I would have to like say nothing at all because I couldn't figure out what else I wanted to say and so I was really quiet and while I was being quiet I heard how much other people were complaining around me like everybody was complaining and then I would hear people complaining about complainers and then I was like okay what is going on because it seems like nobody enjoys complaining or listening to it and yet everybody's doing it so you know i'm super old school nerd referencing all of those books that i used to read and um (laughs) and so i just started diving into the research and i was like what is going on how are we supposed to communicate with each other what how how can i turn my own language around you know what is um impacting on everybody's relationships that they're complaining all the time And it took me like three years before I felt really solid and could kind of get a little bit more analytical about like, oh, this is why people complain or why I'm complaining or whatever. And I just posted it on my personal blog, which was like a nothing kind of blog. And I just said, you know, hey, this has been a really good thing for me and I feel so much better. And, you know, I I, I would just like to let you know that this is something I've been doing in the background secretly for like three years, trying not to complain. And my friends responded immediately and were like, oh my God, that's so cool. I didn't ever occur to me that you could just stop. And then they wrote back a little while later, like, all right, I tried to stop and it was really hard. So now you have to teach me because what did you do? Yeah. And and, um, and so that was 2006. And really, so it's, it's been ever since then that word of mouth uh, was the beginning. And it was like, I didn't set out to become a teacher of no complaining, but it just started really helping people Mm -hmm. and as well as myself. And so now I, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole big project. And um, the the book came out of it and workshops came out of it and, and, you know, interviews like this and stuff. And because I just, I really believe in the power of um, making that one decision
0: absolutely absolutely and while you were talking and you were telling your story about what you went through and mm-hmm. driving down uh the highway and seeing the sun and reflecting back and while you were speaking i just started thinking about my life and how i could relate to what you were saying so much um obviously not with the california sun in san francisco because i've never even been there but uh different areas of my life in which i found myself complaining and being ungrateful but what i wanted to ask you is how do you define complaining? Because if someone was a uh, a smart, you know what, and they and they were saying, okay, well, when you realize what you were doing, and you realize that you were complaining too much, then technically you were complaining about complaining. So, mm-hmm. at what point do we draw the line between realizing a problem, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, recognizing a problem and complaining? Like, where, where's the line between the two, and how do you define complaining?
1: Yeah, that was one of the first things that I had to tackle because, you know, of course, first thing I look in the dictionary and the dictionary definition is like expressing a grievance. I'm like, okay, but that doesn't really capture it when we say somebody is such a complainer, you know, they, you mean something specific when, that, when you say that. And so my definition is that you're expressing a dissatisfaction without contributing to solving the problem. mm. And it's that second part. Yeah. See how that landed. That's like the big thing, because if somebody is just going on and on and on about something and you try to like, Oh, well, what if you did this? And you did and they're like, nah, that'll never work. And you know, they just keep cycling on the same thing. That's what makes it exhausting. Mm -hmm. And that's also what makes them sound like the person who's complaining in that way all, all the time. They ultimately, they sound like they think that they're powerless or that they're a victim and that they're, that they don't, see themselves as being able to take an action. And so, you know, if you flip that around, like ultimately my goal is not just to get everybody to shut up, you know, it's really.
0: (laughs) That wouldn't be a bad goal, but you know. That's
1: not such a bad thing, yeah. (laughs) But I'm also not like Pollyanna, like only just say nice things. Like I actually, my goal is to get people to identify the things that are wrong and then do something about it. Mm And and you take it more and more action. It just feels great. And that's the that's the turning point that made, you know, my life just feel so much better.
0: OK. And is it safe to say that one of your goals because you, you say stop complaining and stop sabotaging your own joy. So mm-hmm. is it safe to say that one of your goals as well is to lift joy, to bring joy in the world by, when you get people to stop complaining, to lift joy mm-hmm. in the world?
1: Yes, yes, I would like to have a way to help people experience more joy to be kinder to each other, to see more happiness around them to be able to share that and I'd like to bring that to them as well for sure
0: Cool, cool, cool. So is that what the no planning no complaining excuse me uh, project is about?
1: Yeah, it is and it's also about making people, or giving people a way to understand how they're disempowering themselves through complaining, through saying again and again something that ends with, and I can do nothing about it, you know, that kind of feeling, which is not, they're not saying it out loud, but they're saying it by continuing to complain about something that they're actually not fixing. So it is, it's, a, it's about, the, the project is about, basically, I, w- I would like to make the whole world kinder, Uh, I think that would be great. And I'd also like people to feel more empowered and to, to change the things in their lives and in the world that they see as a problem.
0: So, I mean, you, you you explained to us what, um, what the no complaining project stands for. So Mm -hmm. what exactly is the no complaining project? Like what makes it up? Like what all is a part of the no complaining project?
1: Yeah, right now it's a blog um, that, you know, I, I post somewhat erratically, but there's some free resources on there at my website, gonoco.com. I call the whole thing going no-co, which is no-co for no complaining. Mm -hmm. So gonoco.com, and then there's also um, a Slack group for folks who want to actually interact with me and other people to get some support on their their no complaining pledge or efforts. Um, There's a Facebook group. There's the book. I'm uh, going to be starting a podcast soon. So there's a lot of different components to this. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm big on podcasts and I've been intending to start one for a really long time. And now it's just like, okay, now it's just silly that I don't have one. So yeah.
0: Well, let me be the first to <laughs> welcome you to the, to the pod family. Um, Why?
1: Wow, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> I'm the pod father.
1: yeah.
0: Okay. So, What I would like to know, can you give us something, something tangible, something that we can take away, we can write down, we can apply and say, okay, this is how we attack complaining because obviously it's it's painting my whole mindset. It's stealing my joy. It's doing all Mm -hmm. these negative things to me by complaining. Okay, so how do I overcome it?
1: There's a couple of good ways to get started. So one of the things that really struck me when I got into this was recognizing that a lot of complaining is very self-centered and it's very much talking about me 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 this is like I'm suffering and whatever and even if the person who I'm talking to is uh you know somebody who can't do anything about it I'm still talking at them and it's really talking at them because they're not helping in any way and I don't want to listen to uh, any kind of suggestions for solutions so One concrete thing that you could do is if you catch yourself complaining, because we all will, you know, I still complain, it just happens. So if you catch yourself complaining, think about the person that you're talking with and think about what is it that they're experiencing of me right now? Is this how I want them to perceive me? Is this the person I want to be with them? And then also, what are they hearing when I say this? Is this what they want to talk about? What kind of conversation could I be having with them that would actually make us both light up instead of feeling negative and down? You know, and just sort of put yourself in the mind of the other person for a moment and then see what, uh, what comes out of that and just imagine what they're going through. That's a, really, that's a really good way to get started because I think the more aware that we are of our, of our impact on other people, the more likely we are to want to have a positive impact on other people.
0: I like that I, li- I really like that. Um, I want to give you an example and tell me if this applies to your teachings in any way. I actually had a, a, an, a moment a moment of awareness with myself. And so as a new entrepreneur, there's a lot of it's a lot of work. Um, it's a lot of ups and downs. The consistency isn't at the utmost as you know you would like it to be uh, in the beginning mm-hmm. stages. And so I, I had a day I was frustrated. My daughter was getting on my nerves. She's only one. How does a <laughs> one year old get on your nerves? Well, technically they can. But anyway, um, <laughs> my wife, everything was and I was looking at I was thinking about everything that I didn't have and yep. I was just so frustrated. And I remember uh, I got out my truck, I was going in the house and I saw some trash on the side of the house that my son had left out there. And I'm like, oh my God, he's not picking up his stuff. And like, he's, I'm complaining, like, it's, and it's right. crazy. And I walk around the house to get the, the trash up that my son had left. And I stopped, like I stopped in my tracks and I fell to my knees. And the reason why that happened was because while I was walking back there to get the trash, I looked at the pond and in my backyard. Mm. My, my house is on a, a nice size pond. And this is going to sound stupid because what I said to myself at that moment was, I said, wow, I can drown in my backyard. <laughs> Think about it for a second. right? I,
1: yeah. was,
0: I was saying that as a great thing, as a good as a thing.
1: Grateful
0: thing right? <laughs> that, that's a good problem to have. And yeah, I just started laughing and I was so <laughs> rejoiceful because I thought about how When I was back in North Carolina and I worked in a hot warehouse for freaking 12 hours a day and I was driving a forklift and I told Mm -hmm. myself, one day I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm not going to work for nobody else. I'm not going to work in no hot stinking um, warehouse Mm -hmm. and I'm going to live in Florida. Like I told Mm -hmm. myself that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and here I am. And oh, also we lived in a small town home. We lived in a very small town. I said, I'm going to have a house in Florida and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And here I am, an entrepreneur with a brand new house in Florida, with a pond in the backyard that I can drown in. (laughs) Right.
1: Big enough to drown in. (laughs)
0: Big enough to drown in, and I'm complaining. Like, it may not be the biggest house in Florida. It may not be the biggest pond in Florida. I may not be a freaking Gary Vanderchuk of entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. but everything that I sought out to have, I I have it. So I caught myself, it was like self-awareness. I caught myself complaining. And I and I found so much joy when I realized mm-hmm. that. So, like, does that fall in line with your teaching? Is that something that you would uh, stress to other people to do? Like, OK, you may not have everything, but look at where you've come. Like, wh- how what would you how would you apply that to others?
1: Absolutely. I love that story. Oh, that's just brilliant. And it definitely applies. I think a lot of what you did um, basically walks through many of the stages of the No Complaining Project. Because the first thing is awareness. So you have to be aware even that you're complaining, because a lot of people aren't. So first you caught yourself. And then the second thing is interruption. And so you stopped yourself from complaining, and you just caught it, You know, but that, but the reason that you caught it was because you went right into replacement and you replaced it with some gratitude for where you are and exactly what you like took stock of, like everything that's around you, remembering that how much work it got, you know, you you took to get there and that you actually had a dream and you realized it, I mean, that's amazing. And so you basically just winged through all three of the stages like in no time at all. But I also um, you know, wanna sort of highlight how you got there which is this moment of gratitude. And that is to me in so many ways the antidote to complaining because one of the things that I realized about complaining is almost every complaint can be written as I wish reality wasn't happening. You know, and just saying, like, you're comparing reality to something else. And, you know, in that other reality, your one-year-old is quiet and your son doesn't put any trash away and you're well-rested. And what? so that was somewhere in your head. But what, what you did, instead of just hovering in that fake reality that doesn't exist, you actually took a look at your real reality and said, oh, actually, I can be grateful for where I am right now. And, and, you know, got a pond big enough to drown in, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of amazing. But, you know, I think that consciously going into a gratitude practice and actually doing that or being, you know, mindful and taking mo- stock of little tiny things every day, just little tiny stuff. Like I, I go and I, I look at this glass of water and I'm like, this is amazing to me somebody has put together a plumbing system and so I can have clean water and I get clean water every day like I'm so grateful for that and so the all kinds of things that you can use as anchors to remind yourself of what you do have as opposed to simply focusing in on what you don't have or what is not happening that you wish was happening yeah that's it's exactly that's that's the main you know overall arc of the project
0: Do do you think that it's possible that if you apply that thought process too much that you can begin to become complacent or that you can uh, inherit complacency? And if so, how do you attack that at that that point?
1: That's a very interesting question. I think... Well, I, if you go too far into gratitude, I, I, I'm not trying to have, figure out how would that lead to complacency. I think, you know, the idea that like, oh, I think, you know, this is good enough and I'm not like, you know, I'm not striving for anything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's really like, no, just feeling appreciative for the here and now. It doesn't mean you can't go anywhere else. It doesn't mean that you can't have visions for the future. If anything, you're actually... You know, I mean, when you're talking to entrepreneurs or anybody, it's like, you know, if you can take stock and feel solid about where you are right now, then you feel better and you have a better launching pad for going into your vision for the future. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I do think that there's a way that some people are like, man, that's okay. You know, I accept this is fine. And that's what complacency looks like. But that's not really gratitude. That's more like, you know, complacency and just accepting it and just sort of like rolling over and giving up, you know, um, Now there is something to be said also about though really teaching yourself to be satisfied. So you don't always have to have the biggest and the best and the whatever because also all of those things, you know, come with a price. Everything has a good side and a bad side. There's like the bright light side and there's a shadow side to like every single way of living, to every place in the world, to every everything that we might do. You know, there's a there's going to be some struggle with, you know, there's always going to be something about every job that is, like, not what you actually have fun doing, you know, no matter what it is. And so I think really being eyes wide open and saying, yeah, I choose this. You know, this is, this is my choice, and I've made it, and I feel good about my choice. Is, that's a great thing. Um, saying, well, I guess it's okay. I think that that's a really damaging thing, and it's actually kind of a weirdly even just saying it that way. It kind of sounds like complaining, also. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, well, it's okay. Meaning, I think that there's something better, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to sit here, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, Outside of gratitude, do you think that I guess people could ignore certain things, like certain. Missiles mm-hmm. and bullets that are being launched at them, and they're just like, "Oh, I'm not gonna complain." Everything, is and they just yeah. they start to begin to ignore some things. Do You think that's possible?
1: I do think so. I think that there's a weird uh, group of people out in the world that I am not wanting to be associated with. That are like sort of the happy-go-lucky. Everything is great. Only say positive things way of being, and I I don't think that, you know, for one thing, that's not how the world works, you know, and I also don't think that that builds up your emotional resilience for, because life is always going to smack you around. At some point, something's going to happen. It's going to go wrong, Um, and if you refuse to see it, then you can't do anything about it, you know, so I am way more... Uh, into helping people sort of have eyes wide open and a a take all the world in. But that also counts to, like if people complain a lot, like like whatever you talk about really focuses your attention. And that ultimately is all that you can see. And that's actually even neurologically proven that, you know, like you focus your attention on whatever it is you give the most energy to. So if you're complaining all the time, then you really only see that negative, part of the world, which is what was happening to me when I first started this whole thing. And so I talk about it as not sabotaging your own joy because sometimes your world is actually, I mean, not sometimes, all the time, your world is bigger than that one thing that you're focusing on. And so if you can you know, pull yourself up out of that focus and look around and say, like, well, what else is also happening? What else is also true? Then you can get a much better look at the world. And you can also see that there's not only bullets and stuff coming, you know, your way, you can see that there's some things around you that feel good, or that actually give you support, or that you have strength that you didn't think that you had. And then you're like, all right, I can can focus, I can see that now that I can see that I can do something about it, but I also have resources so that it's not the only thing that I see.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, I, I want to ask you something. I want to take it outside of entrepreneurship a little bit. And yeah. uh, I want to ask you about the workplace for those of, you know, the listeners that may be, you know, in a job or a career, and they have no aspirations to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, but they do feel themselves complaining in the workplace or maybe, you know, they're they're overcome by everyone else complaining in the workplace. Yeah. And I I can tell you from working for from working for many years that complaining is something that runs rampant in the workplace. Um, What's your approach to complaining in the workplace? How do you think that should be handled?
1: There's a bunch of different ways, depending on what level you're at. So if you're somebody who's actually in control of the environment in some way, like a manager or, you know, a top level executive. then you actually can do things in a really concrete way that other people don't really have access to, like declaring that meetings are going to be what I call a no-co zone. So if you're going to come into this meeting, you're going to complain about something, you're going to follow it up with a suggestion on how it can be fixed. Or we're all going to start to figure out like, okay, yes, you're right, that's a big problem. We don't know what the solution is, let's go in and figure it out. So that you can start to transform the environment from one of just sitting back and complaining into one that actually is actually taking action. The other thing that's true about all of this is that a negative workplace actually is very expensive to the bottom line of any business because that level of toxicity, um, when people are complaining all the time, it increases burnout. It actually leads to t- high turnover rates. It also means that people are not going to put in any extra hours or do any extra work or be very creative while they're at work. And so you're not going to be the one that actually invents the next big product or you know hooks in the client that is looking at you in another place that feels better because they don't complain all the time, but you do. And so they can walk into the office and feel that, you know, so it's a really like as a manager, I think it actually really matters to, to take on that, um, you know, declaring a no-co zone inside of your office. Maybe it's no-co at the lunch table. Maybe it's no-co, you know, just during meetings or, you know, for one day a week or just sort of like get people to practice that. If you're somebody who isn't in a manager position, so you can't like just tell other people to stop complaining. What you can do, and this is actually something that you can use also if you want to stop complaining and say like you have a family that complains a lot, or you're with a bunch of friends that complain a lot and stuff, you can say, you know, you decided to take this on yourself. And then let other people know proactively before it gets into a negative conversation. You know, just say like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing, or I'm going to try to not complain for 30 days, or I'm going to try to not complain for you know the next year, or whatever. This is my resolution for the year." And then you sort of front load that conversation so that people know that that's one of the things that you're doing just as a self improvement thing. Then, if they start complaining around you, then you actually can say like, "Oh, you know." I just want to put a pause here for a minute, you know, because I actually can't really participate in this conversation because I took this pledge. And so I just want to let you know that I'm having a hard time right now, you know? And, um, you know, or or you start to like try to offer solutions and try to get, you know, change the, can we change to a different topic? it's a very difficult and awkward thing to do. I was
0: just yeah. thinking that. I was, <laughs> I was thinking like if I would have did that like one of my first jobs, I might have got punched in the face or something. Like, I don't know. Totally.
1: <laughs> so it is absolutely true. But also it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, but it takes courage to, to break social norms. And one of the things that's true is our society complains a lot. You know, we have a lot of really bad habits And I think that you can be the person who actually points out, this is a bad habit and nobody's having a good time here, you know, basically. And yes, it is awkward. I I talk about it as like, it actually takes a lot of courage to stop complaining because what you're doing is doing something that breaks social norms. And ultimately, you're actually also going into having conversations that you wouldn't normally have and maybe addressing difficult situations that you normally would try to just avoid talking about. And so, you know, I think that it's, if you've got that level of courage, really, truly other people are going to appreciate it. In the moment, you're just like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. I'm going to get punched in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, give it a shot a couple of times, especially with people you don't think it, are actually going to give you, you know, punch in the face so you can get, you know, practice. Um, But you'd be surprised how many people appreciate it. And, you know, they're, and it's just, and you're just saying, like, you can continue this conversation, but I have to go, you know, so you're not like telling them to shut up or whatever, but you're just like, I, I I just can't be part of this and just, and just leave. And after a while, it's like, oh, okay, you know, and it makes people aware that they're, that they have been complaining when often they're just not aware.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because um, as it pertains to like self-doubt, I tell people action, 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 Mm -hmm. action, action, action builds confidence and confidence drives away doubt um, slowly but surely. And so, uh, like, let's just let's just say that someone was doubting themselves uh, about starting a podcast. I would say, well, look, do a podcast with nobody listening, go in there, record it every day until you get confident and then do it in front of your family. Mm-hmm. You know, and then do it in front of a couple of coworkers, and just keep mm-hmm. doing that till you build up that confidence, and then put it out there to the world. So, are you saying, as it pertains to complaining, and those those power techniques that you were talking about, as far as, "Hey, look, hey, look, bro, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do this right now. You know, I gotta, I gotta walk away. I can't be engaged in this." Are you saying, start that off with, I guess, someone that you're more comfortable with, someone? that isn't 6'5", 230 pounds with a bad attitude, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: that would be a hard place to
0: start (laughs) Yeah, so are are you telling people to, to, uh, I guess, take action, but, Mm -hmm. you know, start small with that as well?
1: Yeah, I think start small and start with things that are less emotionally charged. Take, you know, take action on like really minor complaints where it's like, oh, you know, like, like one of the things, you know, showing up at a party, there's a lot of times that people arrive and you're like, hey man, how are you doing? And they're like, immediately they launch into like, oh, traffic was terrible. Or, you know, like, you know, you live in Florida. So some people are going to say like, oh, it's too hot today, you know, or whatever. Um, And you're like, huh, interesting. And you just try to like, what do I do? You're like, I can't fix the weather for you. Um, But if you say that, that's actually quite rude. Uh, But you can try to Turn the conversation, if they, you know, first technique is just to say, you know, like, oh, hey, that's that's funny, I was, I loved the weather today, you know, and I had a great time. You sort of counter them. Um, if they won't, if they won't bite and they just want to stay down the complaining path, that's when you can say like, okay, let's get out of here. Um, they're like, I need to get out of here. I think that one of the other best things to do is a way of practicing also, like you said, with somebody that you feel more comfortable with. But also, what if you actually take the pledge with other people? So now you have like a group of people you can practice with, that you sort of like call each other on your stuff. And you, you're like, then you can, and this is not true for me with a couple of people. When I get you know, really exhausted, hungry, stressed out, whatever, these are the things, these are the situations when I'll still end up complaining, you know, 10 years later, I'm still like, you know, it gets gets hard. So in those moments, I do have some people that look at me and just go, was that a complaint? And I'm like, oh, man, totally calling me on it. Yeah, that's true. Okay. You know, and it's like done in a loving way. where like, I know they're not gonna kick me out or whatever and I can do that back to them you know And now I kind of joke also like well you know me I'm the no complaining girl don't complain to me you know um, and like that's just kind of like the more that you can do that where you feel comfortable and it just becomes part of your identity that you don't do this the less emotionally risky it is if you get into a harder situation and there are other times when it's like maybe you don't want to tell somebody that because they are six foot five and they're kind of aggro and you don't want to get in their face and you just be like, Hey, I got to go. You don't have to tell them why you just like, you know, I can't, I I can't do this. Or I got, I got something else to do, you know, and you just leave. Um, and I, you know, I think taking care of yourself, like I don't advocate getting yourself into situations where you're going to get punched. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so you're, but uh, I do I do advocate getting, talking about things that are hard because that is actually a lot of this for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so uh, nonviolent is what you're saying,
1: nonviolent. I am I'm a, I'm a proponent of nonviolence.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, gotcha. Come on, I'm from San Francisco.
0: <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, and I, I love what you said about it takes courage. I loved when you said that because it does. And you, I, I think people will find that in a workplace, you know, sticking on the workplace theme is and, and we're going to insert the, the whole destroying doubt thing a little bit, because I feel like a lot of people at their workplace don't want to be there. They want to do something else. They have bigger goals or different aspirations But they're scared to do so so they're complaining about the job that they hate but they really hate the the fact that they're there but they're not going to do anything about it so they're going to try to take comfort in a place that they hate and the comfort that they're going to take is with other people that are complainers and so that's i feel like that's the majority of the workplace and so when you come with your with your whole different energy and you're like, okay, well, it's not really that bad here. Um, I don't really want to be here either, but I'm just doing this for a few years till I get my degree, till I do something else. It's not really that bad. It's a job I'm thankful for. It. And you're with all this positivity. It's like your public enemy number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know it. I know it for a fact. Yeah. So um, you're gonna need courage. At the, it takes courage to destroy doubt. It takes courage to stop complaining. I I love that. I love it.
1: That's absolutely true. And a couple more things that I'll give you to, for those people that are in those workplaces, because I know that's actually one of the most common places for us to experience so many complaints and, you know, as a way to also bolster some of that courage. So one of the things that I learned about complaining the more that I started studying it was how often it's a stand in for some emotion that's not being met you know, or some other emotion. Like complaining is like the visible band-aid that's like suppressing something that's actually like not, not getting healed up. And it's, you know, either that somebody feels like they're, they're feeling kind of lonely or cut out of a group and so they're complaining so that they can actually get people's attention because that is how a lot of people get attention is they complain and that makes other people pay attention to them. Sometimes they're feeling really fearful, like they feel like they're gonna get chastised by their boss or by, they're gonna get blamed by somebody else. And so they're gonna complain to blame outside of themselves so that um, that way that they're not the ones that get in trouble and you know, that you, you, they're like pushing that kind of stuff away. Um, there's a lot of different things like that. Sometimes there's also some people who, this is my, one of my favorites, it was like when I realized it, there are people who complain to brag. And, and it's because they do things like they're so stupid or, you know, like I would never do it that way. And they're doing, they're doing that kind of a complaint so that you notice that they're really smart or that, you know, cause they're, and usually it's because they're feeling insecure in that moment, you know, in that moment they're bragging because they think that you didn't notice, uh, you didn't notice them and how good they are at whatever it is that they're doing. So one of the other sort of side door techniques to getting a group to stop complaining or getting an individual to stop complaining is if you can identify what those other emotions are or even if you're taking a guess that maybe this is what that is you know you don't know for sure is try to address those things that you think that are actually going on so if you think that somebody's feeling lonely or excluded Try to invite them into the group a little bit more. Choose topics that they're really into talking about. If you think that somebody is complaining because they're worried about getting in trouble, you know, and so they're, like, blaming the copier for why their report is late or whatever, um, then, you know, you might want to reassure them that, no, their job is not on the line. Or, like, let's let's work on why you feel so afraid, basically, of, you know, getting – getting yelled at, or maybe you need to address the person that they're worried about yelling at them and that, you know, need to get that person some anger management classes or something, you know. Um, And then if you've got somebody who's like feeling insecure all the time and so they're always complaining so that you notice how intelligent they are, like give them some, some praise for something that they've actually done, you know. So these are the techniques that ultimately end up reducing the level of complaints in the workplace. Because what you're doing is addressing all of the underlying issues. And the more that you can take care of those, the more that you can actually like make people feel better and you can move the conversation to something that actually, you know, is positive. Without sounding like a Pollyanna, you know, and and a weird, a weird, like, you know, sunshine person. Yeah. I I was going
0: to ask that, like do you feel that that
1: could take away from you
0: at some point? Because I, I feel like, a lot of people's response to what you just said is, look, we're all grown. Like, I ain't here to babysit nobody. I'm not here to pacify your feelings. I'm not here to make you feel good or this, that, and the third. Like, get over it, shut up, and do your job. Like, I can hear so many people saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What, what would your response be to that?
1: Well, I think that's a very real thing, and if you're getting into the point where you feel like somebody is kind of babysitting, then they're just like, okay, they're stuck in their victimhood, and you can't really help them. Um, a lot of times, though, The truth is we are still in relationship with people, and what you're doing is actually like taking care of that relationship, and you want to be in a good relationship, and so right now you're in a complaining relationship, and you don't want to be there, so you can either get out of that relationship and just like not engage with that person at all, or you can try to heal it into something that actually feels better for you, and you know, but that's also taking care of yourself. Like if you don't want to hear that all the time, then this is how you can actually start to take care of yourself by dealing with the issue at hand. Mm.
0: I I know that my my dad told me, and God, I feel like such a dirtbag son right now because I can't remember um, his actual title, but he was like one of the high up people at the post office. And he said that he had a guy at his job that would complain every day about his family, the wife cheated on him, the dog died, something Mm -hmm. like that every day. And everybody Mm -hmm. else just was like, dude, shut up. Like they would literally tell him to shut up. My dad, who was at the top of the chain, said every day religiously he would listen to him for five minutes because everybody else would just ignore him. Mm -hmm. And he said that he realized that by him listening to him for five minutes, he would be the most productive worker he had just because he was able to get that off of his chest. So my dad was being the healer like you spoke of there. And, and I guess my dad was cool with it because it worked for him and it worked for everybody else in the long run. Um, so I think sure. that goes in line with what you were just saying.
1: Right. I mean, that's one of the things about being a manager and actually like dealing with employees or dealing with coworkers or even dealing with clients or whatever, that sometimes there's some things that you have to do that, you know, OK, I'm going to deal with this if I can make it for five minutes listening to this person griping at me, it means that they're not gonna gripe for the rest of the day and that they're gonna actually feel heard because it sounds like at that point, that guy just was feeling like, ah, I I feel very isolated and unheard. Your dad's like, okay, I'm with you. Tell me what's going on. And then he's like, cool, I can now actually do my job. Like that's actually a really good management decision in terms of like productivity, efficiency analysis kind of thing. even though it's a personally emotionally hard thing to do there's you know i've, I've also seen that here where you know I've, I've had some situations where there's somebody who's like constantly complaining and just like inserting themselves of like oh let me let me go over and like talk to them for a couple of minutes and it just like eases it for everybody else and then my whole day goes a lot better because like it's not like one person complaining and infecting everybody else who are not complaining about that guy
0: yeah Absolutely. Um, that That's that's great. That's that's great advice. Um, great tangible things that we can take away. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to ask you about your book mm-hmm. and um, no complaining to stop sabotaging your own joy, correct?
1: No complaints. No How complaints. To stop... Yeah, no complaint. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, There's a no complaining project, but the book is called No Complaints, How to Stop Sabotaging Your Own Joy. Yeah.
0: So in your book, uh, does it cover a lot of topics that we talked about today and what else could uh, someone get in your book if they were to pick it up?
1: Yeah. I tried to basically make the book really actionable, you know, so it's made for people who want to not just have to deal with all of those, like, you know, these self-help and, and sort of things, but to have to like, what is something practical that I can do? And the goal was to basically create a workshop in book form. And so the first part is awareness. And it t- t- walks you through all of the different ways that we complain, the reasons we complain, sort of so that you can get a greater awareness and hear that when you hear it around in other people or in yourself. Um, there's a really short little insert there about the, uh, the inner critic because we all have an inner critic, and mine is that's my, my personal bugaboo that I can't like seem to fight and get rid of. Um, I'm probably gonna end up doing a lot more on the inner critic in the future. Then there's a, a next section is interruption. So like what are the things that you can do to actually stop your own complaining, to get yourself out of different conversations when you're in them with people who are complaining a lot? Like how do you interrupt that habit um, now that you recognize it? And then the, and also also recognizing the things that are keeping the habit in place that are making it worse and giving you like extra triggers. And so like, how do you interrupt all of those things? And then the last part is, you know, if you go into the replacement section, so now we're looking at, You've broken your bad habits. You've created these gaps in your thinking or in your time or whatever. You need to fill those with good habits, or you're just going to fall back into the old thing. So the good the good things are about you know uh, doing mindfulness work, some gratitude work, or actually one of the ones that uh, I'll also give you as a practical tip that um, has been really surprising and fun for a lot of people is uh you know when you're walking down the street or you walk into a a group of people walk into a crowd that you don't know anybody and it's like easy to feel like oh my god they're all staring at me or they're judging me like we all always have those like loops tapes going on in our heads especially showing up at a party you don't know anybody well what if you just imagined that they all wanted good things for you you know and that they all wanted you to succeed and the term for that is called pronoia. It's the opposite of paranoia. So paranoia is imagining that people are out to get you, while pronoia is imagining that people are out there to help you, and that that's actually what they want to do.
0: Uh, I yeah. got to try it. I'm sorry to coach. I got to try that because yeah. I definitely have the uh, the opposite of the two. So I got to apply yeah. that. But yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah, no, no, that's a, it's a, good, it's a good reason to interrupt. No, it, everybody does. It's like, I think that's one of the root causes of social anxiety. It's the root cause of a lot of like situations in which we are judging other people because we feel judged by them. Um, and so what if we all just walked around and we're like, you know, everybody here actually wants the same thing. They want to be kind, they want to be happy. They wanna have, you know, good things happen to their family and friends, you know. I think they probably want the same thing for me. So, wow, this is actually a very different world. If I look around and like, people want good things for me. They don't know how to give it to me. They don't know how to talk to me. They're probably all freaked out too. Huh, that's a different kind of environment. Yeah, that's paranoia. So that's, that's one of the tricks in the, in the book that's in, um, in the replacement section. Like here's something else that you can do and how to imagine you know, a different way of being. And then the last chapter, which is kind of like building all of the tools in the whole book, And the last one is handle what you've been avoiding. And it's taking a look at where are our most entrenched complaints, the things that make us the most crazy, the things that are the hardest for us to deal with. And then saying, where do those come from? How do I contribute to making this happen? What are the different ways of looking at this? And breaking it all down. And um, I also have resources on my site. If you buy the book, there's a link to to download all the resources that actually support the different things in the book. Um, I was going to ask
0: you that. I, I was going to yeah. ask you, like, what, what are some of, not, not to go too deep into it, I guess, but mm-hmm. what are some of those or some of the resources and some of the research that went into backing these principles and findings that you have in the book?
1: Yeah, the resources are, uh, well, s- some of them are simple, like the no-co-zone signs that you can actually like, put up on your desk or whatever and just declare it as a no-co-zone. Um, one, the last thing is a worksheet to do the handles what you've been complaining breakdown and sort of an analysis of your most entrenched complaints by little sections and you walk through like, okay, what, is, what actually happened, how do I see it differently, and like, you fill out all of these different boxes as a two-pager um, way to uh, analyze a situation. And by the end of it, you can usually get to a point where you're like, oh, okay, I can see a thing inside of all of this that I can change, you know, um, and that, that will ease some of the pain around the most more difficult situations. In terms of the research, I also have a whole um, set of books at the, end of the, at the end of my book that I suggest as additional resources, other ways to get started if you want to go deeper. So things like um, Daniel Gilbert's Stumbling on Happiness, uh, and Brene Brown's work on um, dealing with the perfectionism—they called one of my favorite books, *The Gifts of Imperfection*. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of other books like that with people who have done very serious research themselves, who have uh, are journalistic style and aggregate other people's research, uh, and that's the sort of thing that I have been reading, I've, what I've been reading is stuff that's in neuroscience and leadership and communication skills in relationship, in um, and relationship uh, and trust. All, and all of that is like what I brought into this book, but then I try to distill it down into what is some actionable steps? Because all of that research usually says, okay, here's a problem. And then sometimes they tell you something to do, but not often, um, or they tell you something vague to do. So I just wanted to give people something that was like easy and actionable.
0: I, I like the the uh, the no cozone. I, I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good one. <laughs> I
0: like that. Uh, I have
1: it up at my desk, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so where where could the people actually find the book if they were interested in getting it?
1: Yeah, it's available on online at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can order it from any local bookshop. Um, the ebook is up there as well. I know that you can order it internationally because I've had people order it. Um, it's uh, distributed anywhere that books are sold. you know, it's you can just go in anywhere and ask for it. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, no complaints, how to stop sabotaging your own joy. I
0: love it. I love it. Um, I like to ask people, um, On the show, like if they my listeners, right, if if you could tell them, I guess, one thing before they cut this off, before they go about their regular everyday routine, if you had to say one thing that you want to last with them, not only for the rest of the day, but for the rest of their lives, like what would be that one thing that you would say to them to help enhance their lives or to help them stop sabotaging their joy and stop complaining and just make their lives better? Like, what would you say to
1: them? I would say that to carry with them an awareness of how they want to present themselves to the world and the impact that they're having on whoever that they're talking with and you know how do i want that person to perceive me what kind of person do they think i am while they're listening to me who what, how can I connect with them more? How can I bring more life and joy and energy into this conversation? What are the topics that the two of us could riff on that would feel really good and really productive? And, you know, carry that into your conversations and your way of interacting with other people. And it's just going to change things.
0: Oh, wow. Um, I hope that you all pick that up and I hope that you apply that to your lives. I know I definitely will. And um, no co zone for here on out for me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) From here on out. Um, Where can the people find you?
1: Uh, My website is go no co, G O N O C O dot com. On Facebook, we're the No Complaining Project. And the book is uh, No Complaints How to Stop Sabotaging Your Own Joy. You can also tweet at me at Siana, C I A N N A.
0: Uh, Instagram, are you on Instagram? I'm on
1: Instagram as well as Hey Siana.
0: Hey Siana, okay, cool. Hey Siana, yep. All right, cool, cool. Well, thank you so very much for joining me Absolutely. on the show today. It was a pleasure. I learned a lot. Um, I'm going to stop complaining so much. I'm going to realize the fact that I can drown in my backyard and that is a great thing as long <laughs> as I don't actually drown that, you know don't actually <laughs> drown but that's a
1: great story I love it <laughs> I like that you and your dad both sound like you're you're naturally gifted towards like reshaping things so it sounds fantastic yeah
0: <laughs> well he is I just suck at everything I, I, I'm complaining let me stop <laughs> hey look, hey,
1: look. hey don't complain about <laughs> Yeah. i hear this is a pretty good podcast so i don't know about the everything i just got to offer a little counter
0: argument it's all right it's all right, it's all right. <laughs> um oh lastly last thing before i let you go i always asked my guests to provide the listeners with a motivational song of the week i'm not going to play it on the show hmm. because um uh you know spotify and all those other different platforms you right. know you gotta you can't do that but anyway um, something that they can go back and listen to after the show, yeah. uh, a motivational song for them.
1: So one of the motivational songs that I always turn to, and I know it's so cheesy and it's so old, is Chumbawamba's Tub Thumper song. Because it's that song that goes, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I just kind of love that. There are some times that I just need that. I need that little like, yeah, I got knocked down. I get up again. Like that's that's just what I need to hear.
0: Okay. And uh, what was the Chumba? Wump? What was
1: that? The band is called Chumba Wumba.
0: I never knew that. I know the song that you're talking. Yeah. about. I never knew it was called Chumba Wumba.
1: Yeah, it's a it's the the band is Chumba Wumba and The song is Tub Thumper.
0: Tub, wow. <laughs> I I feel a little differently about the song now. I don't know in a good way or bad way. I, I, I it's don't know.
1: Kinda, yeah, there's a there's a, some good stories behind uh, that. Look up the the band. There's some there's some very interesting things there. They're uh, workers rights um, kind of protest group which is interesting oh
0: wow hmm.
1: yeah <laughs> surprising anyway so that's yeah. a that's my motivational song plus you know little uh hanging out with me you're going to get a lot of random tidbits like that that's uh
0: <laughs> cool cool and that i mean for the listeners that's a that's a big a big a entirely different world from last week's motivational song was was uh drake scott playing to now chumba wumba toe thumper what is it again like
1: <laughs> tub thumper
0: tub thumper okay yeah
1: chumba wumba
0: yeah that's it's a big difference there but <laughs> hey, as long as they get motivated that's all that that's counts, right.
1: right you 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 choose your own song there you go all
0: right well again thank you for joining me on the show
1: absolutely
0: thank you all right y'all jay sutton the strong out podcast we out thank you for listening